please arise if you're able for the reading um, from 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Um, we are doing a series kind of a, called like Wide Church, and um, I kind of wanted to slow down that conversation a little bit and just even kind of say like, why be a Christian? <laughs> like, why, 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 are, why am I still a Christian? Um, and thinking about that conversation, it's not an easy, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, it's a tough time to be a Christian in America. Um, that's not because of persecution, clarification, like I don't think... There's a lot of persecution in the world. Persecution is real. Um, there's, I think, estimated of 13 Christians who are, who are, you know, killed or harmed every day across the world. But in America, that's, that's not, not the case. Um, for us here in America, um, so many represent Christianity. So many different trains of thoughts or people, groups, yet they're just void of Jesus, it's completely void of Jesus at times. Um, and I think that's, that's why it's difficult um, right now to be a Christian in America, is there's so many different people who are claiming Jesus, yet don't look anything like they're Christ. I think Gandhi said that once. Um, this hit me really hard. I was thinking, there's so many examples I could use of this, um, of why it's hard and examples of that. But I'll just, I'll just pick one. I only have time for one. Um, one that probably hit me the hardest over the last couple of years was January 6th. 2021. And on that day, there was a violent insurrection of the White House, you remember. Um, Storming of the White House Capitol in America, taking over the White House. And with this group, there were, you know, many of you watched this live on television, you remember this. Uh, There was Nazi t-shirts, Confederate flags, and Christians um, holding signs, Jesus saves, and God we trust, another Jesus saves. Hold the line, Patriots, God wins. Um, so I remember, remember seeing this, and you're just like, you watch this, and uh, it was just like, man, I don't know about you, but it, it kind of creates this spirit, and I think I heard this phrase a lot during that time, and I've heard this phrase a lot for other t- times, is if that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want to be one, <laughs> right? Like, if this is what it means, and this is what it looks like to be a Christian, I don't think I want to, to be one. And... Um, this is a time where not only do we see like stuff like this in the news, these polarizations, but unhealthy churches have often caused so much deep relational brokenness. Unhealthy responses from church leadership um, causing so much trauma and pain in people's lives. And um, there's, there's people, so many people hurt by churches causing people to leave church at unprecedented ro- uh, rates. Every year, Gallup asks people if they are, so, you know, are you associated to a religious congregation? A survey by Gallup. Um, this last uh, survey, 46% said yes, they are associated 
to a religious congregation. That's the lowest it's ever been in American history. Um, before that, uh, five years ago, it was 55%, and 20 years ago, it was 70% that said, yes, I'm associated to a religious uh, congregation of some kind. So what we have now is kind of a rise of what you'd call the nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, this group of people who are like, I'm not affiliated with anything. Like, I might be spiritual. I might even consider Jesus you know, my, my, my God, uh, and I may identify as a Christian, but I'm very uncomfortable identifying with a local church. You probably know someone who identifies that way. You yourself may even identify that way, even though you're here. You're like, yeah, that's me. Like, I don't, um, and I get it. I really, really get it. Um, and this might sound crazy being a pastor. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen so many have a hard time. I, too, have had a hard time with, with churches in the past or other churches or, or even my own church history. Um, so many times unhealthy churches and leaders can inflict tremendous pain, and I've seen it happen. And it's happened to people I deeply love. But also the opposite is true. Like I've seen healthy churches create an experience of health and vibrancy and, and healing and wholeness. I've experienced that myself, and I know many of you have experienced that whether you experience it here or other places. And with all the church's pain points, like, I, I still am a Christian. <laughs> like, I, I still follow Jesus. I still want, and I want to talk about that a little bit more today. And I think, you know, that phrase, if this is what it means to be a Christian, I don't want to be one anymore. I think there's so many issues in today's world that you could fill in the blank for that statement, you know, whether it's, I have a loved one who is excluded by the church. And if that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want to be one, right? Like, and you could even go on all kinds of different spectrums. You could almost have a Native American stand up here and say, as a Native American, this is why I'm still a Christian, despite all of this that's happened. Or an African American, or an Asian American, or all these different other ethnic groups that have been pressed down by the church. Frederick Douglass said this, and it feels very, very true today. And the wisdom that he had in his time was impeccable. He said, I love the pure, peaceable, and impartial Christianity of Christ. Sorry, I didn't get to capitalize that print error. Between the Christianity of this land and the Christianity of Christ, I recognize the widest possible difference. Think about that. The Christianity of this land and the Christianity of Christ, I recognize the widest possible difference. Now, obviously, he was in the time of slavery. It's very clear. But even today, it's sad that, you know, 170 years later, we're still noticing the difference between the Christianity of Christ and the Christianity of this land is the widest gap possible. Widest gap possible. And when I think about church, and it's like, you would think about this machine that is the Western American church. You would think, like, if you were designed to make EV cars and make an EV engine, and some reason, it, at the end of the line of the production, it got kept spitting out light bulbs. You'd be like, something is wrong. So if, like, if the church is this thing, and it's like, we're supposed to make people that look like Jesus, we're supposed to help people fall in love with Jesus, look like God, love their neighbor, and this machine keeps spitting out hate and people who do not love 
something is wrong with the machine. Something is wrong with the way we've gone. And it's our responsibility to say, okay, what, what about us? What about our little church in Chicago? How do we, how do, we do this? How do we, how do we make disciples, apprentices of Jesus? How do we have followers of Jesus, like people who follow Jesus, right? Like um, in John 6, there was a passage where Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't follow me. And there was all this big crowd, and they're like, that's gross, Jesus. I don't... And they're like, we're out. And then Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you want to leave too? And I feel like sometimes they're like, I was talking to uh, Christine, actually. She brought up a good point that when she was younger, someone told her, like, you know, like, you know you can be an atheist if you want. Like, it's a choice. And it was just like this freedom of like, I feel like that's comforting today to go like, you know, you, you have the choice. Like, you don't have to be here. <laughs> like, you can go and just be done. Or you can like follow Jesus. But like being in this in-between of being in this machine that's supposed to make electronic vehicles and spitting out light, light bulbs, I, what, what are we doing here? Why, why keep doing that? And so I think Jesus is, is still worth following. I am still a Christian because of this. With all that said, I'm still a Christian because life is found in Jesus. Now, this is like, I, want to, I want to talk about a simple phrase of life being found in Jesus, but I kind of want to go deeper. I'm still a Christian because in Jesus and in the church, life is still found. Life is still found. I didn't just come up with that. Jesus said it in John 10, 10. He says, I, he says, he said that, uh, that, that through me is life and life abundantly. I, through me is life and life. I have come not to give a religious system. I have come to give life and life abundantly. And it's through my spirit that continues today. Um, Peter, James, and John, they formed this circle around Jesus during that time. And what I love is John gave himself the nickname, the disciple Jesus loved. I love that. Now, I used to read it as very comparative to the other ones, like, I'm the one Jesus loves, suckers. <laughs> but I think, like, John, he changed his name. Like, he introduced himself. He's no longer like, hi, I'm John. He's like, I'm the beloved disciple of Jesus. And he, he had this, he just never got over it. He never got over the fact he experienced the love of Christ in such a life-changing way that he can't stop talking about it. He can't stop talking about Jesus. John was his old name. Now he's, I got a new name. He talks about it not just in Jesus' letters and John, but he writes about it to, in 1 John and 2 John in these letters that he wrote to early churches. Um, let me give you some context. So context is important, so I'm going to p- jump into the passage that Elizabeth read. Um, so 1 John, um, you know John was writing to a group of churches in modern-day Turkey. Uh, there were uh, these churches that he helped start, and now he's kind of mentoring them as a pastor from far away, and a group of people in these churches that are leading some of these churches or leaders in the church of some sort, they have some kind of authority. We're not sure exactly, but there's a group of people claiming to be Christian but denying the truth about Jesus. So they claimed Jesus was not God in the flesh, um, and they claimed that he wasn't the fullness of life. So they took the name of Christ and they attached their own beliefs belief system to Christianity to get power quicker and to gain credibility in society. Does that sound familiar? So these folks claim to be followers of Jesus, but their lives look nothing like this. In fact, John says they practice the opposite of what Jesus stood for. 
in the passage Elizabeth read, 1 John 2, 9. It says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. So John is writing to this group of people. He's concerned about this group of people. He calls them a lot of names. (laughs) So he calls them false prophets. He calls them the Antichrist. John was kind of intense. And he calls them liars and deceivers. And he accuses them of preaching a message that is bad news, all while claiming to be Christian. Again, does this sound familiar? So the darkness had blinded this group of people to the truth about Jesus in their life was devoid of love, completely devoid of love. Uh, Here's here's the thing. You can't follow the God who is love if you are not loving others. Throughout the letter of John, John reserves these harsh words for this group. He's mostly focused on those throughout the letter, is not on them, but on those that are striving to be faithful, striving to love, striving to be faithful to the good news of Jesus, striving to like spit out Christ followers who love, not not religious power elites who hate. And here he, he begins, First John 1, he says this. He begins and ends the message with the same message. He says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we've heard and seen. I don't know if I put John 1, 1 up there, but we saw him with our, our eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Then he ends the book. So he says, we've touched him with our hands, we've seen him, we, we, we've seen him with our eyes. He's the word of life. The very end of the book ends this, this way. We also know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And it says, he is the true God and eternal life. And John would say, I'm writing this gospel so that you would have life. So John is just like obsessed with the sense of like, life is found in Jesus. Life is found in Jesus. I know it sounds so simplistic, but yet it's, it's uh, pretty, pretty challenging to, to maintain um, this, this, this sense of focus and not get distracted by all the other noise and news in the, in the time. Um, so uh, he wants Christians to know that when others are perverting the name of Jesus, he is still God and Savior and still where life is found. So why am I still a Christian? I'm still a Christian because when others are perverting the good news of Jesus, Jesus is still where life is found. He is still, where else, I think John would have wrote this and said, where else am I going to go? Where else, who, who else am I going to go to? He actually did say that literally in John 6, in that passage where he said, are you going to leave too? He answers this in John 6, when he says, are you going to eat my blood and, and, and drink my flesh? Are you going to leave too? This is what he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? What other expert, what other fountain of life? Like you created everything. You created all the, you even created all the other people in this world, God. You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So when I look at things like January 6, 2021, insurrection where Christians, people are holding up signs that Jesus saves, I feel that like holy disturbance in me. It's like this holy disturbance. And I think this is what John felt, this holy disturbance. And something, some, something different today, but um, that I felt a holy disturbance on last couple of years, um, is 
uh, reminded of something that I was deeply connected to as a young pastor. Uh, there's a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. I don't know if you've heard it. Um, but this is about uh, pa- a pastor named Mark Driscoll. Um, so back in 2000, early 2000s, his church exploded. It was seen as like, hey, teach the Bible, whereas church growth was the thing. Now he's at least teaching the Bible. So it was very, there was a lot of things that were happening that on the surface were very good. The church grew to 15 locations and over 15,000 attenders. Um, it was through this ministry that I was called to church planting through influence of actually going to their church planting boot camps, of like hearing about church planting. Um, but how did this church grow so big overnight and then it shut down overnight? So much hurt was happening. This, there was so much hurt and destruction and deceit happening both externally and internally because of unhealth. And we see a lot of people, this is how, why people deconstruct their faith. They've been taught a God that is not a righteous God, not a holy God, not a loving God, and definitely not a safe God. And they've been taught this version of God, a false gospel, and given a false God. And just like the group John was dealing with 2,000 years ago, we have groups that preach hate in the name of our God. And our God calls himself love. And so John didn't roll over. John let this holy disturbance pen a letter and write a letter, to, to an important letter. And he calls them out and reminds them and us that Jesus is still God despite people who spew hate. He is still Savior and still where, still where life is found. So many being taught that God is not great, not, not safe, not loving, right? Like it, I, I, I just think as, as um, in our day and age, maybe one of the most important tasks of your life as a Christian, it is your job and your responsibility to show others about who God is and that he is a God of love He is a God that is safe. He is a God that cares. And and that he is a God that, that, that like, it is your job if you call yourself a Christian to let people know, to share this message, that God is a God who includes and loves and cares about you. And that isn't, (laughs) to paint a different picture than what they see on the news, to paint a different picture than what they see the stereotype of. Not only is it our job to receive abundant life of Jesus, it's our job to share the abundant life of Jesus. To share this, and especially with those who've been given a version of Christianity that's been void of Christ. It is our job to, especially those who've been given a version of Christianity that has no Christ in it, it is our job as Christians to share the love of Jesus. This is why Missio Day was even started. Like When we started this church, it was like, God, we want this to be a church for people who would never give church a chance. People who would never give God a chance. This is why we started this church. This is the mission of our church, to be a church for the one and not the 99. And some of you are there. Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to follow this Jesus, right, because of this complication. I want to say to you, please give Jesus a chance. Please give Jesus a chance. Don't let some counterfeit version of Christianity, let that keep you from experiencing the life Jesus offers. Life is too short to pretend you're not spiritual. Life is too short to pretend that you're not a spiritual being, to let all of this news and noise and distraction keep you from a union with God, right? Like a loving union with God. 
And I'm not saying this because I want you to come to church here, or I'm saying because I want you to experience the life that I've experienced. Um, In the midst of a world so divided and so struggling, I want you to have a source of life. And I want you to have joy that surpasses understanding. I want you to have like, like this sense of, of, of peace. And so if you want your faith restored, I do believe Missouda can be a home for you. I do believe Jesus is at work here. I do believe that, Jesus is, that this is a safe place for you. And I've been able to experience other people who've had that experience over and over again, that abundant life is at this table, right? That abundant life is here. That in 1 John 4, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. I want to read this quote from Rodney Stark about the early church and how they lived, and I want you to see the contrast. Early Christianity, he says, served as a revitalization movement in Greco-Roman cities by providing new norms and new kinds of social bonds that were able to cope with many urgent urban problems. Cities were filled with homelessness and impoverished people. The Christians offered charity and hope where no other social institutions existed to help the poor. To cities filled with strangers and newcomers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for social attachment. To cities filled with orphans and widows, the Christians offered a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by ethnic divisions, Christian communities offered a new basis for social solidarity. It was not simply a new urban movement, but a new culture, capable of making life in Greco-Roman cities more tolerable. And um, so I believe, so this is why I'm still a Christian. Life is still found in Christ. The church is for a lot of good. The church is designed to, for a lot of good. And we need, we, we have here a community that we all long for. And it's possible. You know, we're like coming out of the pandemic. We still haven't completely figured out our social norms. But pressing into community, pressing in with other people, yes, church people have hurt so many people. But how are those people healed? Through other people. <laughs> Jesus uses other people as healers to heal those who are broken. And he's still calling people together to come together, to, to be there for one another. Bill, um, I think it was uh, Bill Wilson. He's one of the co-founders of AA. He tells this wonderful story. He was, the, um, he was an alcoholic for years. He was sober for many years. Sober, well, sober for six months in this story. He took a business trip and closed a deal. And the deal just fell apart horribly. The deal didn't work out. And he's walking back to his hotel room, and he walks past the bar, and he hears clinking of glasses, laughter, voices, and his voice comes to him and says, you know, he says, you need a drink. And he's tempted to get a drink, to break his sobriety, and he realizes, he's like, I don't need another, I don't need alcohol. I need another alcoholic. And he realizes that, man, when, when I'm in this mode, I don't need another vice or another sin. I need another sinner. Like, I need another person who can say, me too. And whatever you're going through right now, this is the design of the church, that we are a family that you can sit across with another person and hear those wonderful words, me too. Me too. And, and provide support to one another. And this is where life is found. Because Jesus is in that person, and Jesus is in you, and the Holy Spirit is working. And the Holy Spirit heals and brings life 
And Jesus brings life and life abundantly. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Band, you can come up. God, I pray that you would restore in us a, a sense of resolve. Like, we hear the words of Jesus like, do you want to leave? You can leave. You don't have to follow me. <laughs> and we have the choice to respond. Where else am I going to go? Or we can say, yeah, that's a little weird. I'm not doing that. That freedom choice is here. As I've stood here today and said, this is why I'm still a Christian. I would encourage you to go through a process and decide, can you say those words yourself? Can you come to a place of process and say, this is why I'm still a Christian. And I'm committed to not to take this, this reality and like prevent the church from spitting out the hate, producing hateful people. I don't think any of us are he, like struggling with Christianity, not because of the moral demands, not because of the doctrine it teaches, but because of the people who profess Christ and are void of Christ. But that shouldn't discourage us to say, like, we can do it the way God designed. We can live into this and have life and life to the fullness. So God, would you help us at Missio Day Lincoln Square be a people of hope and healing, a people of safety to show that God loves them, God embraces them. He's a safe God. He's a safe God. He can handle your questions, your doubts, your insecurities, your desires. He he can handle all of you and hold you and embrace you. So, Jesus, we, we come before you as we are, whether full of worship or full of doubt. We come to the table knowing we're embraced no matter where we, we feel right now today. That we are your blood. I'm, I'm still a Christian because Jesus' blood was shed so that I could be reconciled to my creator, God. And because of that, I'm still a Christian. And so we come to the table um, to take the bread and the cup and to eat and drink and remind ourselves that he's committed to us even when we don't feel committed to him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Would you stand and, and worship together as we sing and pray. I'm, I'll be available for prayer. Um, Christine and maybe some others will as well. Um, worship as you feel fit. Maybe you need to like kneel, pray, stand, whatever you need to do. Um, just spend time with God and how he wants you to respond.